You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Howdy. Isn't that appropriate? We're in Granger County. We say howdy around here, right? Yep. I reckon. All right. I'm glad you're here, and we're in a study in Hebrews. I'm Marty, if I haven't met you, and there's some guests here this morning, and uh, pastor at the church at Rutledge. And before we get into the message today in Hebrews 3, just a couple of quick things. One, a new member class coming up March 12th, right after the morning service that morning. So please sign up if you're interested in that. And that's how you join the church, or that's a way that you can just come and say, well, what's this place all about, and what what do you all believe, and how do things work around here? Um, vision, mission, all those things, you get to learn those. So those um, things you can learn there. So you can just come sit in on the class if you want to. Uh, but sign up out there so that we know that you're coming. Another thing is there's a business meeting right after church this morning. And so we'll just gla- gather right down here in the front after the service is over. Y'all can mingle for a while, hang out with each other. But as soon as we get, get gathered down here for um, the members this morning, we will uh, go into that business meeting talking about new deacons and um, talk about the bus that we've got out here and, and some changes with it. Um, third thing, thank you for those who served yesterday uh, over at the um, distribution center in Gatlinburg for the disaster relief stuff that's still going on. They'll be there through the 14th, that place given to strictly fire victims over there. And so thank you. We had 13 folks go over and serve. Uh, and it was it was awesome attitudes. Everybody loved it. Everybody working together. And uh, there's basically 140 families who come by on Saturdays over there. Um, And through the week on Fridays and Mondays is their high days. There's like 400 that come through there. There's just a lot of people um, coming through there. And us and another church from Granger County was there at the same time together. Um, Had a couple of our teenagers there. One child that served with us, and and 10 adults. So great job, guys. Thank you for being there. And those of you who contributed to that and came and served, you're contributing to TCAR's vision and mission and that God has given us, which is to build community on the foundation of Jesus and to make disciples who serve and reach as many as possible wherever we're called for the glory of God. And that last part really hits home in a subtle way in verse 1 today. Uh, if you pay attention to it, you'll catch it going through there. Um, But this verse itself is so packed full of stuff, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it past verse 1 this morning, and that's a lot of where I'm speaking out of. Um, But it's, I just, I've gotten more and more excited through the week as I've studied this one, and uh, see if you can catch what I'm talking about, about reaching as many as possible. Um, That last part, there's a subtle way that's in here, but Hebrews chapter 3, it says, therefore... And anytime it starts with therefore in a passage, obviously that's looking back. It's saying in light of what was before that we just read, here's this. And usually it's a command. It's a do this kind of thing. Therefore, do this in light of everything I just that was just said. And so Hebrews 3 starts with therefore. And before that, and what we've gone through for, for three weeks previous and Hebrews 1 and 2 is since Jesus is better than any prophet, since he's better than any angel, 
has all things under his authority. Everything is placed under him. He's God himself, creator of everything, best high priest, knows everything we go through and understands what we go through, even on a practical level of taking on flesh and going through it himself, yet was perfect and sinless. Since he's the best ever, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. And when I first looked at this and was studying this, I really I got locked on to apostle and high priest and, and looking into that. But the more I did, I backed up and this word, that word consider jumped out at me. And so we're going to talk a lot about that this morning to consider Jesus. But you, you catch that? Consider Jesus. Isn't that why we go to places and serve? It isn't, it's that in our obedience to Christ and in what we do, that, that others might see that and consider Him. That they might consider Jesus. The New Living Translation says, uh, think about instead of consider. Just simply think about Jesus. Or the NIV says to fix your thoughts on Jesus. They might see Jesus in us and consider Him for themselves. And our serving might enable other ministries like going there to that place and serving people, even in the midst of what might be a secular serving the community that people would see and know and they'd go, hey, that's that church that's come to serve here. And even the people there working there alongside us might consider Jesus. It's we want to reach as many as possible wherever we're called for the glory of God. So in everything we do, we want people to consider Jesus. It's why in the children's department, they're going through the gospel project curriculum because because what it does and what locked us onto it was the fact that it goes from Genesis all the way through Revelation and takes you through all the way through to um, through the Bible with an emphasis on here's where Jesus is all the way through the Bible because it's there's a thread all the way through of Jesus and we want our kids to see it and consider Jesus in all things. And so it's why our youth department, everything we do, our student ministry, to get students and families to think about, to consider, to fix their thoughts on Jesus. We want you to come here this morning, and I, what I'm trying to do up here this morning is, is, is to open the Word to you and get you to see it, and for you to consider Jesus, for you to think about Jesus, for you to fix your thoughts on Jesus. That's why we're doing what we're doing. No matter where you are or what you're going through in life, is in the midst of that to consider Jesus. And I've preached nothing but Jesus for 14 years here in this church because my heart and my mind is fixed on getting whoever, whoever gathers here together and myself to, to think about and to consider to fix our thoughts on Jesus. If you go back and listen to any sermon, we have them all recorded, by the way, and you listen to any of them, every message points to Jesus and says, look at Jesus. No question about it. And it always has been my heart. It'll always be that way as long as I'm here and have anything to do with it. It's all about Jesus. And we want to take down all the barriers we can with people and make this a place where we, we take away everything that we can and just get it down to where it's just you and God and you're just considering Him in the midst of everything that's going on in your life. That's our secret agenda. Don't tell anybody, okay? And it's, it was Paul's agenda. Paul, in, 
in the New Testament, he was even accused of doing this kind of thing. That's a, that's a good thing to be accused of, right? I mean, when you understand this, in Acts 18, uh, the Jews had taken Paul before the, the Roman court and before the Romans. And they said, this man persuades people to worship God contrary to the law. He's trying to get people to worship God contrary to the law. And Paul himself said, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. And it's, a, it's an apologetics argument, so to say. But it, even in Acts 14, it says, every Sabbath he went to the, in the synagogue, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Gentiles to do what? To consider Jesus. In Acts 26, 27-29, it says, and I'm going to read from the NIV, probably NASB on the screen. But this is Paul talking to King Agrippa. And he's Paul's in chains, and he's before the king. And he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He says, I know you do. And then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian. And Paul replied, short time or long time, doesn't matter to me, right? I pray that God, not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. And we want people to pause long enough to consider Jesus in all things and perhaps begin to follow Him and hopefully believe. Short time or long time, however long it takes. That's why we want people to be able to come here and there's no pressure. We just present the truth and we let God do the pressuring. He'll work with you on that. I don't have to sit up here and draw out a 30-minute invitation just trying to get somebody to walk an aisle. Because you can, you, can, you can get decisions out of people, but you can't force them to be a Christian. We let God take care of that in the Holy Spirit. It's a safe place to hear a dangerous message is what we say. But short time or long, we want to always present Jesus so that people may consider Him. Back to Hebrews 3. In that verse, in, in verse 1, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. And just real quick, uh, heavenly calling. That's just a neat thought or idea if you think about this. Any professional hog callers in here this morning? I thought you, Jeremiah scratched his head. I thought you were about to say, yeah, I am, man. Yeah. I was going to say, well, stand up. Let's see what happens. You know, um, you scared me there for a minute. I was like, wow, we really, you know, it's happening. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever just, you, only place I've ever seen that is get on YouTube, you know, or whatever and look up hog calling contests. And I have watched some of those and it's, it's very interesting. Um, but it's that kind of thing. What is the point of the hog call? Okay. Let me shift gears. Any turkey hunters in here? Yes, no. Don't scratch your head. That scares me. Okay. I know you're not a turkey hunter. Okay. I, so I turkey hunt. I love to do that. And so, um, the, the thing is, I haven't learned to speak their language yet. Like I'll get out there and I start doing the calls and they're like, what's that guy sick? Like that turkey, something's wrong. Stay away from that area of the woods because that guy, something's wrong with that turkey. Like that's what they're thinking. And so they just they just don't come around. I have I have a hard time with the call. But the point of the call is to get them to come where you are. So it's just neat and you break it down and think about this heavenly calling. It's it's Jesus 
calling us to come to, to heaven where He is, to be with Him. To, to get that call. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to Him who appointed Him, as Moses also was in all his house. And I'm going to let David tackle the, the Moses thing a little more in depth. I think that's where he's going. But for today, I'll just read through this. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. I wish I had time to put all that together, but I won't get past too far past Apostle and High Priest this morning. But that whole house thing is incredible. If we hold fast our confidence, if, you see what it's saying? And, and there's a whole message there just on the whole thought of somebody saying you can lose your salvation. But when you even read something like this, you understand what it's really saying. If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. So what's an apostle? Okay, An apostle is simply defined as uh, you can simply say a sent one, the sent one. It's a messenger of sorts. Um, we often, when we think apostle and we think of the scriptures, we think of the apostle Paul, uh, missionary to the Gentiles. You think of the original 12 apostles who were sent by Jesus. That's usually they, we hold that title to those guys and, and were disciples, but they were the apostles that brought it to us to begin with. But Jesus himself was the ultimate apostle coming from heaven to earth to bring us this message, the carrier of the best message ever. And we are separated from God by our sin and we cannot get to God on our own. If there was no message sent to us, no communication from God, we couldn't just find him on our own. We would be forever lost. We needed to, God to communicate with us and he did in Jesus. Not only did we need God to, to tell us who he was and his plan for us and how things should be and how to get to him, we needed a way back home. We needed a way to God and a way to hear about that way from God. So what was a high priest? So you go, that's an apostle. He's this messenger. What, what's a, uh, the priest, the high priest? Think about these people and who this is being wrote to when it's the Hebrews. In the Old Testament, what was a priest or the high priest to these people? He was the go-between between the people and God, right? He was the go-between guy. And Jesus was our ultimate go-between to get us to God. The word priest, and if you go to the Latin and think about what the, the if you get into what the Catholic Church, if you've ever been in, grew, grew up in that system, uh, pontifex, that, that, what is that? It literally means, anybody know what that literally means? If you break down that word? Nobody raised Catholic in here and had to go through that and got smacked if you didn't get the answer right or anything? No? It, it literally means bridge builder. 
Isn't that interesting? It's, the, it's this word priest, bridge builder. So you got to have both. We're in trouble because we're separated from our Creator, and one day we will be eternally separated unless something changes. So we need a way to God, and we need someone to tell us that way to God, and Jesus was ultimately both of those things. He is the ultimate high priest, the ultimate bridge builder that made a way for us to, to be with God and to be called home. And here's why this is so important to us today. Okay? Because you go, that's nice. We all know that. I've seen the tracks that people have left with the cross, and it's real neat with you know the whole bridge thing and the gap between us and God. We get that. We, Marty, we, we, we're in the Bible Belt. We understand. We've been to church enough to understand that that Jesus is better than Moses, okay? So that's great. Let's let's just pray and go home, right? No big theological debate happening this morning on whether Jesus or Moses is greater, okay? But what happens is that these people thought Moses was the stuff, like he was everything to them up to this point, okay? Moses was like... Um, the ultimate celebrity to these people, but they didn't, you know, they weren't going to Super Bowl games and, and, and having these stars and people they looked at. To them, Moses was just the, he was the greatest. Okay. He was the goat. Okay. I'm picking up on new lingo these days. Okay. You ask somebody under 20 around you if you don't know what that means. Okay. And it's okay. I had to ask David. I was like, what are you talking about? He wanted to name this series the goat. And I was like, what? Okay? I didn't understand. I was like, I don't think I can go there. Okay? But but this is that's what Moses was to these people. Okay? He he was the Splash Brothers and LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and all the greats put together in one to them. He was like it. Okay, those are basketball references. Okay? Just help out some of you. I know it's Super Bowl and football time, but I like basketball. Okay, that's just me. Okay. He, he was the man that they would look at and go, that guy would talk face to face with God like nobody else gets to do that. Right? There's one place in, you get scripture when you get to the end and it says that it tells us how God buried Moses privately himself. Is that not crazy? What's even crazier is the verse where uh, it says that um, it talks about the friendship between God and Moses and, and how they were friends and had this face-to-face -face relationship and that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. I think it's interesting. Who wrote that? Moses did. Okay, just think about that for a while. But anyway, it, but it was true. I mean, that's, it, it, was, it was what happened with him. Okay? And he would come down off the mountain and what would be happening to him? Anybody know what happened when he'd meet with God? And his, yeah, his, his face was shining. Why? Because Moses was great? No, because he had, he had been with the one who was the greatest. He had been with God and that was just a reflection of God to the people. Okay? He he was just everything to them. I mean, he's the guy who parted the Red Sea, did all these miracles, led the people out of slavery. 
and come down the mountain or out of the tent of meeting with God Himself, His face glowing to these people, He was really it. Okay? And here's what we do. Because this is what they were tempted to do. This is why this letter is written. Because these guys, when they, they were tempted, when things got rough, to fall back to what's comfortable and what they knew. And this, this had satisfied me in little temporary chunks up to this point. So at least going back to this, I can get some temporary satisfaction even though it will never last. It'll at least do for the moment. Isn't that what we do? When things get rough, when we're doing life, and it's good or bad, okay? When it's good, we tend to lose sight as what the best ever and we settle for something great and miss out on the best. Well, things are going good and we get busy and all those things. Uh, I remember Rocky... Uh, at Coryton, he would talk about the sin of settling. How how there's there's this ultimate plan and, and it just it's tough and it's hard and, and God's working on us to get us there to this best place and we just bail out on it and settle for something good. We'll go, I don't think I'll ever get there, so I'm just gonna settle for this. And we settle for less, and it's something good, so that has no there's no in our minds or up front, there's no big it's not like it's a sin or not like it's a any big deal to us. We go, well, I'm doing something good. And we've missed out on something that was the best. And when we know it's bad, we run to what we know. We run to what we'll know, we know will give us immediate, however temporary, relief. And, and think, of, think of this, the risk for the Jews. They knew the old system. They're like, the old system worked. And God gave us that old system. If He gave it to us, it must be good. There must not be anything wrong with it, right? So it's tough in this Roman environment trying to serve Jesus and trying to switch from the, the Ju Judaism to believing in the Messiah who's now come and living for Him and being persecuted for it. People are dying for it. So hey, let's... Even the religious system who didn't embrace Jesus were persecuting them over it. So hey, it'd just be easier, and that works, to just fall back to what we know. Let's fall back to our old ways. It's good enough. But it really didn't work anymore. It was just a band-aid until they could get to Jesus. We fall back to our old ways. We give up or give in and we think that, that it seems to work. We look around to those who seem to be doing so well. Living without God, it seems like they are. And we settle. You think Jesus can't compete with all that? And, and we'll even justify in our, in our minds and in our hearts, we'll justify going after really what things that we shouldn't worry about, but we'll go after like wanting to be the next Steph Curry or the next Bono. I'm just speaking out of my heart, okay? Some of you are like, no. I'm talking about you too, Bono, not the politician guy, okay? But it's... We justify... Wanting or longing to be them and to have that and to be that popular and be that famous and have all that and be all that 
Because because we justify our longing saying, well, you know what? It'd be great because when I get there, I will use that platform to just glorify God and, and tell people about Jesus, right? Don't we do that in our minds? We're like, man, I want that. When in our minds and in our hearts, there's other motives for that. We just want people to think we're great. We want our own glory. We want the glory for ourselves. We don't want glory that shines off of us that is really God's and shown to people. We want our own. And we think when I get that platform for Jesus and think of how, you know, think of how great that will be for God when I get that and I'm that, right? And what's crazy is, is in the meantime, we're not even using the platform we've already got for God and to glorify Him, to tell others about Him. And, and it's the thing I talk about often. It's like people will think, well, I'll manage my money better when I get more. No, you won't. You'll just be worse at it. You know? Well, I'll be a better husband or wife when I get the right husband or wife for me. No, you won't. You'll still be the same person. It'll just make it easier for you to be you. It won't force you to change at all. If you're not okay and doing well where you are, you're probably not going to do it when you get to the next level or place. And so even when things are good and going well, it has a tendency to lean us away from God and we lean into our own glory. And that's a lot of what that whole house thing's about that I don't have time to get into. And yet when it's rough, and some of you, you've been in a rough place for a while. Don't fall back to old, comfortable chains. That's what they are. And we think, man, it's just, I know how to manage that. And I'm comfortable there. And it worked for such a long time. And we forget about the crash and how miserable it really was. Don't fall back to those comfortable change. But think about Jesus. Consider Jesus. And that word goes further. It's not just consider. It's not just fix your thoughts on Jesus. Yes, but even further. It's, it's to use your mind to meditate on, to, to just focus in on, to take time and energy and put it into what you're considering. That word used there is, is a word to have passion for something. It's about, it has this picture of an athlete and the discipline it takes and the training to win the prize. That passion for something that you would sacrifice so much to have that prize. And that passion is that considering Jesus. I used to love to run. I mean, it was everything to me. Like I, in, I was really good in high school. Didn't do as well in college, but but ran for UT for a year and then finished out at Moorhead State. I used to love to run, and I, I could remember, especially in high school, I could remember being on like a six mile run or or ten mile run, and I can remember I would just start crying just dreaming about being in the Olympics. I mean, it was, and I would, I would push myself 
beyond points of pain because I wanted that so bad. And, and it's why I love the Olympics. I, I love to watch the Olympics because it's, it, it's what I used to have a passion for. But it also, I love it because it's the, the one time in every four years people actually watch track and field and like it. And it gets its proper credit, okay? But, but it's, it's that kind of consider Jesus. It's that kind of focus in your life on Jesus. Like, think about, I thought, I, this just came out to me this morning. I was thinking about this a little more. Um, so I just want to read you a couple of verses that relate to that. Like Philippians 3. Thir- this won't be up here. You can just write these down if you want to look at them later. But 13 through 15, Philippians 3. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. There's that same calling, that heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Our minds should be focused on it. We should understand this, that we got to go through that and, and press towards that to get that prize. If you're a mature Christian, you should have that view of things. And if, if, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I have to use that more often because that's just basically saying, hey, if you think differently, you're going to find out the truth. So you better just get it right. Okay? And hopefully God will make it clear to you because if you're on track, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you that way to get it. And then you think about um, thought of 1 Corinthians 9, 23-25. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. We talked about blessings some time back. What are New Testament blessings? And it's, it's having an intimate relationship with God. That's the real blessing. Okay. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. How do we do that? We consider Jesus in all things. We fix our minds on Him. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. That's the type of lives we're supposed to live as Christians is in this disciplined, strict deal about pursuing God and being in His Word and praying and 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 be just going after Him above everything else. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I heard a guy in a small groups conference we went to talk about the, just that word, just the whole, I'd never seen this before in the, the Great Command, uh, Great Commission in Matthew 28, uh, where it says, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And I was like, I never caught that word observe. I'm not, I'm not supposed to teach you everything you're supposed to obey. I'm supposed to teach you to observe and learn it for yourself. You understand that the difference? It's teaching you to focus your mind and consider Jesus in all things and read the Word for yourself and pray for yourself and and have a relationship with God yourself. 
not for me to be that relationship for you. I'm supposed to teach you to observe, not teach you all things. Right? And if you're discipling someone, that, that goes for you too. You're trying to teach them to have that themselves, that relationship with God, not you just tell them what to do and nail fruit to them. But that fruit would be produced by Jesus and the relationship they have and it would, it would really be fruit and not just plastic fruit you're nailing to them. It makes me think of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. If you jump ahead, and that's coming later, but I've been jumping ahead a little bit because you see this beauty of the Scriptures and how it flows together and all the thoughts and so forth. But in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, and we even got, we've not even got to that therefore yet, okay? Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then what does it say? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Consider Jesus. It says it again. And he's talking about this race we're running. He's, it's, it's all, he's putting this all together. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That's a whole nother sermon that is just... A, it, it, that whole thought is amazing. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For, consider Him. There it is again, okay? And, and now you get a bigger understanding of what that word is. It's not just, oh, consider Jesus. It, it, it has greater depth. For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And that, so that you will not lose heart is, is literally fainting in your soul. Is what that word, is what that little phrase means. That you would not lose heart. So now as his brethren, isn't that amazing that we get to be that? Now as his ambassadors on the earth, we represent the apostle and high priest. And I talked a lot about high priest last week. The messenger we are now the messenger, the minister, following his apostle high priest. Scripture tells us we're a royal priesthood. We are not the way, but we now point to the way. We've been told the way, so now we tell others the way between the way between Jesus and other people. We are not the Lord and Savior, but we are the messenger and the ministers. Because we are that royal priesthood, First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may... Why? Why are we His? Why are we His brethren? It tells you right here, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. But not a prideful people. Okay? boasting in ourselves Jesus is the creator he's the lord of all in that whole house and builder illustration the builder is greater than the house we can't brag about anything because Jesus made us right can we just consider Jesus since he made us not I heard a bazillion examples of this from different pastors and uh but it's Super Bowl Sunday. Is that right? Is, it, is that right? It's Super Bowl tonight. Sorry, I'm so disconnected tonight. I'm not a football guy. Okay? Tyler's like, 
Oh, come on, Lord. But it'd be like sitting around here and say me and Tyler and David and Jesus were hanging out here one day, uh, which we do often. Um, and I start in talking about some athlete in a sport that they don't care about. And I'm like, this guy was the greatest of all time. He, he was a goat, guys. Okay. And it's awkward for a guy getting ready to turn 45 to use that word, isn't it? Guys, he was, he was a goat. Okay. And then David chimes in, and you know what he's going to do. Well, now listen, greatest athlete, Peyton Manning, and like he's going to go on and talk about him, greatest ever. And then Tyler's going to jump in on this Patriots guy, the guy that's playing tonight, because he posted on Facebook and argued with people about how he's the greatest or whatever, right? And the word goat came out in that whole deal, right? And then we're all going to look at Jesus, and Jesus is going to say, who cares about that? I made all of them. Right? So you ain't got nothing on me. I mean, that's, that's the deal. No matter what we do, no matter how great it is, the good we do for God, it still all points back and says, yeah, that was good what we did. But man, He's the best ever. The house will never be greater than the builder. And we are the house that Jesus is building. That's what it tells us. Consider Jesus. He made you. I think he's got this all figured out. We keep trying to find ourselves and just have to find my own way. And He's already planned it out for you. Okay? When you become who Christ made you to be, you're being yourself. When we go off on other tracks doing other things and I just have to go find myself. We're just we're making up something and not being who we were made to be. We're not being ourselves. I still remember a conversation I had with another pastor in Morristown talking about how tired everybody was. Like pastors are looking around in their congregations and themselves and everybody else and going, man, Christians just seem so tired. Like the world just seems tired anymore. You know what I think hinders us in church? What I think hinders the church, it's ultimately Satan gets in there and does his little deal, right? But one of the things he loves to do to hinder the church as much as anything is because we're so tired. We hardly have any time to consider Jesus. Like, right? All of us would sit here and say, I don't read my Bible like I should. I don't pray enough. I don't spend enough time just thinking about meditating on building my relationship with Christ. I don't do that as much as I should. How in the world are we supposed to function as His house if we don't do that? We're so busy just pursuing other things. Running to ball games and events and gotta see this and gotta have that and gotta do this and gotta be a part of that thing and, and, and we just don't, don't have time for considering. And we won't cut out any of that stuff. No way, because our life might not be as full if we cut out that stuff. Because my kids might not 
be able to have the conversation and be a part of the popular deal over here if they haven't gone to that place too and done those things too or been a part of that sport. They just won't be as cool a kid or, or won't be have as full a life if they don't experience all these things. But they miss out on who they were created to be because we just don't even have time to consider Jesus. That and we're maxed out in our budgets to have no room for God's working in our lives, to minister to people, to do the things He calls us to do, to go on a mission trip, to, to do the things that God pulls us into and says you can be a part of something amazing and you can bless people and I can work through you, but it's all cut off because we don't spend time considering Him and we don't have the capacity to minister for Him as He calls us to and the devil knows it. And he'll put good things right in front of you. Good things. You think, God, Satan ain't going to put good things. He's going to try to trip, trip me up. And I know when he's working because he's got that little pointy triangle tail and the little trident pitchfork and he's red. Like I see him coming. No, you don't. He's an angel of light. He's not good, but he's going to use good things and twist it into your life to get you not to consider Jesus. The mark of a successful Christian life is not that you're busy doing good things, but that you have Christ first in your life. But to do that, we have to go back and fix our thoughts on Jesus. It's just not those people who are far from God who need to consider Jesus. Yes, they do. It's not just a salvation issue of calling people to heaven who don't know Christ, but we who are His must do it every day and in all things. So today I just put it out there. That's It's the call to consider Jesus. Okay? On Super Bowl Sunday, okay? Consider Jesus every day in all things. Consider Jesus. No matter how good or bad you just don't quit and you just fix your eyes on Jesus. You just you can't quit once you have Jesus. If you really see him and treasure him for who he is, then you just it, you can't help but move toward him. Maybe that's part of our problem. We need to really examine do I know who Jesus is? You ever get tired of just playing church? I mean, you're like, Pastor, are you okay? I mean, really, okay? Just playing at life? I mean, at what point are you going to go all out for Jesus? Are you going to live the life that He made you for and quit playing games and just go after it for all that you are? Like, really? No, really. Do you really have Jesus as the greatest joy in your life? Greatest passion, greatest goal? If not, what are you waiting for? Something better? Do you not get it? There, there is nothing or anybody better. But we keep talking ourselves into, well, we do that, we do the just in case thing. I'll go to church just in case Jesus really is it. I'll drop a, a 10 or 20 in the plate just in case. 
I'll go serve every now and then just in case. That's really about more about me getting a little glory over here rather than Jesus shining off of me. But you know what? It, it's good that I do that. We live these just-in-case lives, and it, it doesn't work. Moses would even say to the Jews, if he could have this Jesus, he's the one you've been waiting for. Quit looking at me. He's the one you've been waiting for. In a world that's so wishy-washy and there seems to be no absolutes, no truth, one thing I can tell you, one thing may not be, you know, there might not be anything in this world that's constant, but Jesus is. He is faithful. Verse 6 in this says, Christ is faithful. He faithfully fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. He faithfully stepped out of heaven and became a man and faithfully endured and submitted all of who he was to the will of the Father. He faithfully went through temptation and suffering and remained sinless and perfect in the midst of it. He faithfully took on the cross, laying out his hands, faithfully took the nails for us. He faithfully died for us. He faithfully defeated death by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he will faithfully return one day to get his bride and they will be with him forever. And he will not fail at that. So if today you're seeing your need to cross that bridge, there's a bridge builder. And it's Jesus. And you need to just not delay. But give yourself fully to him right now. Today, maybe you see Jesus. You understand him as apostle. He came and gave you this message as high priest who made a way for you to have a relationship with God. And so it's it's just it's that thing of there's there's my life and I'm not considering Jesus. You know, I do every now and then I yeah I go to church or whatever or I go to church all the time, whatever it may be, but you're not living for him. It's really you still Lord of your life. I'll make my own decisions. Living out of your sin nature but then maybe today you see Jesus and so it's just simply turning from you and your sin to Jesus and saying, I'm not in charge anymore. Jesus, you are. And I can't save myself. You can. And so right where you're sitting, you just turn to the apostle and great high priest of our confession and you just confess Christ and say, I'm now His. And that word confession is a, is a big word. I don't have time to explain all of it, but I think you can get the point. It's not just keeping quiet and moving on. It's just, it's even that thing of the verse that says that we're a royal, royal priesthood. Why? To proclaim Him. Acts 1.8, you know, it talks about you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You will be my witnesses. That's what we're going to do. When we become His, there's a confession of our faith. Maybe we don't share our faith as much as we should because we don't really believe it ourselves. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's just 
consider Jesus for a moment, wherever that may be for you. As they come up to lead us in a time of worship, I just, that's why we sing the songs. Because we want you to focus your thoughts, fix your thoughts on Jesus. If that was you this morning, you needed salvation and you have turned to Jesus this morning. We want to know about it. We're now a part of the same household. We're part of the same house of God that He is building the church, the bride of Christ. And so you're a you're family. So we want to celebrate with you. We want to help you in your next steps in being obedient to Christ. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe there's someone here. You've, you've been born again. You came to Christ and you've never followed Him in believer's baptism. And there's all kinds of pictures in what we just read about from Moses of going through the waters. Maybe you need to be baptized. You've never done that. We can sit down and talk to you about this. It's, it's not a pressure thing. You've you got to want to do it or you don't, but we'll be happy to sit down and give you the, the truth and the information from the Word. Maybe you need to join the church here. You need to sign up out there. If you need to talk with me or another, any other staff member or somebody here, they'll help you with your next step. We just ask you to do that. There's decision cards in those chairs. You can put them in the offering basket when it comes around a little bit. You can just email me, call me, whatever it may be. But right now, I just want to pray. Father, would you just open hearts and minds to your word and who you are? Would they see you for who you truly are? You're the treasure that's worth abandoning all, selling everything we have, giving up everything we think we have and giving it all away to have you so that we can truly become who we were made to be. Father, thank you for dying on the cross in our place for our sin, to take the wrath that we deserved. You make us brothers and sisters in Christ. You make us joint heirs with Christ. How amazing is that? So Father, may we wake up Tomorrow, may we go to the Super Bowl game, whatever house we're hanging out at tonight. May we consider Jesus in everything that we're doing. May we think, how can I use this moment? How can I use today, God, most for your glory? May I wake up and just die to myself that I may live for you. It's a constant struggle, Father. So we ask for your Holy Spirit. It's the only way we can do this is you living in us. Thank you, Father, that we're just not left to our own demise and our own sin. But you give us life that is really, really life. And it's forever. It's with you. So thank you, Father. Thank you for your son Jesus that makes it all possible. Even the talk to you right now is because of Jesus. So we thank you and pray all of this in his wonderful name, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen.